This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. One of the most played songs on KEXP so far this year is from a band that formed in Zambia in the early 70s. They're called Witch. The band has just put out their first album in nearly 40 years. It's called Zango. I recently caught up with the band's founding frontman, Jaggery Chanda, as well as member Patrick Wandela, who joined the band in the 80s. They discussed the elements at play in Zambia to create the genre known as Zamrock, the climate in the country and in music that led to the band's long break, and getting rediscovered at an international scale decades later. Jaggery and Patrick, maybe you can both take us back to the beginning days of Witch. So the band formed in the early 70s, and that was just a few years after, you know, Zambia had independence. And I understand Zambia's first president issued a decree that 95% of music played on radio had to be from Zambia. And so that helped kind of cultivate a really strong music scene in the country. I'm curious how you would describe Zambia's music scene in the years leading up to which and in those early years. What was the scene like in Zambia? Um, first of all, you must understand we belong to a federation that was three countries put together under the same European management, UK in particular. We had only one registration amongst the three countries, that is Zambia, Malawi and Zimbabwe, today's names. Because of the federation, we did similar things in terms of social amenities and get together and uh, it was like a crisscross pollination. People from different countries brought their own cultures and their own traditions. Uh, So they brought their um, own dances and uh, this is where we got the traditional aspect of music. But uh, the uh, international influence came from the Western world from our colonial masters. They brought in the guitars, the jukeboxes, especially the radio. Was forming, were there a lot of like local bands where you were at at the time? Like, was there a lot of local music that, that people could see? You are talking about slightly after independence. Uh, well, in the Copper Belt, we called the area Copper Belt because almost all the towns surrounding uh, the area were engaged in mining of the copper. Now, each in each and every town, there was at least a band, a rock band, Zamrock, which we have come to know as Zamrock. And the influences were the same. We listened to the same records, the same music on radio, and the bands played similar music. If the guitarist didn't play Hey Joe by Jim Hendrix, he was pushed aside, he was no good. So it was like a, a measuring stick. Hey Joe, I want you going with that 
As you mentioned, I mean, copper is a huge part of Zambia's economy, or was, and then copper prices dropped, and that really impacted uh, Zambia's economy. And then also at the same time that that happened, I understand conflicts from other countries were kind of spewing into Zambia and causing this curfew um, from 6 p.m. until 6 a.m., where everyone had to be inside, which if you can't go out at night, you're not seeing live music at night. And so I'm curious how that curfew impacted and just what was happening to Zambia's economy at the time was impacting the live music scene. We had just come from a very nice pronunciation by the president, like you said, uh, when he said uh, mm, to to promote local music, local talent, the national broadcasting uh, service should it should should keep nine, more than ninety percent of its content and attribute it to Zambian musicians. So that gave way to a lot of musicians trying to record to be heard on radio, and also just to become famous. Most of people rushed to, to go and record. But soon after, there was this um, pronunciation of curfew and blackout, uh, blackouts. The reason was we were in the frontline state. Surrounding us, we have eight neighbors, and five of those, I think, were, were still under colonial management. And uh, they were freedom fighters from South Africa, especially from South Africa, from Angola, from Zimbabwe, from Mozambique, and things like that. So they were be- the, the freedom fighters whom we, we had hosted were being pursued by their colonial masters. And then the, the, the scouts from South Africa and Zimbabwe, they started bombing part of our, our country. And so the, the, the protection... Uh, was needed. So the president said uh, he pronounced the curfews and blackouts. And what that meant to the music scene is that uh, you couldn't leave a premises, the venue, if you, like you rightly said, you go there at 6 o'clock in the evening, you can only come out 6 a.m. And only a machine would be able to play that long. So it affected the musicians and then it meant we could only play some shows during the day. What we played during the day, we called it teen time shows. This is for the teens from uh, the school-going groups. So the, the, the older um, generation couldn't come and mix with their daughters and nieces in the same place during the day. So they couldn't come to such shows. It meant that we, wouldn't make, we weren't able to make enough money to sustain ourselves. And some people had to find other things to do to keep away from the music. The other thing was, uh, at the same time, shortly after the HIV and pandemic um, and AIDS pandemic set in. It had set in and it wiped out a lot of people, including musicians. And uh, the number of musicians dwindled. And then the economic situation was affected, The, the equipment which we called our tools of, of tradition, of, of profession, they were now regarded as a luxury. So you couldn't import a guitar, it would be costly. You couldn't import an amplifier, things like that. So that uh, caused the, the hardship on the, uh, on the part of the musicians. It became difficult to make a living on it. And so, um, 
personally, I was sort of split into two, to be with the band or to, to, to concentrate on my newfound job as a teacher, secondary school teacher. So it was safer for me to hang on to this government salary than, uh, even though personally I would, I would prefer to be making music, but uh, it was not to be. Jaggery even went on to become a miner for amethyst gemstones to make a living, something he was doing well into his 60s. Jaggery left Witch in 1976. The band kept going until the mid-80s, but they started adjusting to the new sound at the time, disco. Here's keyboard player Patrick Bundella. Obviously, when we did the... um the disco album moving on uh, this was after obviously the issues that had gone on and uh, the discotheque that which went across the world sort of really affected the, the Zamrock bands uh, because people now wanted to go to the discotheques rather than go to a gig so it really uh, put pressure and killed most of the bands at that time But we, which obviously reinvented itself with the disco album moving on. So we started working with the disco houses. So we were doing an hour set in the evening, which was great. But I think the thing that really was difficult, um, we, we found ourselves very limited in what we could do. And I, for me, I think my analysis is that we're just in the wrong part of the world. And this was pre-internet days. So we didn't have that exposure. The band was, I think looking back, the band was very, very good. Actually, it was playing at an international standard, but we didn't know it <laughs> because we're not exposed to, to the West. Um, and I think we're just completely discouraged. Uh, I remember, well, I was sort of the last band lead of the band and one day I just thought we're not really getting anywhere and uh, we decided to just call it a day. So that was an unfortunate thing, wrong part of the world and we didn't have any promoters or managers who saw potential to really take us out and expose us to the rest of the world. It didn't happen and it's only in these days now that we've been had this opportunity to, um, to get this exposure and uh, for people to hear what was actually already happening uh, in Zambia all those years ago. Your story is amazing because, you know, you, you, there was this long hiatus and then your albums start getting reissued about a decade ago. And then a documentary is being made about your story. And then you start performing again after, you know, a 40-year hiatus or so. And now, you know, a lot of your band... Are, are younger folks from all over the world. I mean, what is it, what has it felt like to have your music recognized internationally, you know, many, many decades later? Are you a believer in, in some powerful creator somewhere? I am a strong believer that there's a God who has predestined everybody's life. And uh, this is like a resurrection. We... When he says you are going to be king, no matter what happens, you are going to be king. This is a big opportunity for us to share these uh, 
Zambian style of music with the world. The point where we are, we don't know who has influenced who. The, the slaves took some music to America, where we are now. They found some other musicians here. They created after their liberation, they created their own jazz, blues, rugged time and things like that. They sent that to Europe. Europe, European bands took over the rock and roll and claimed part of it as their own. The, uh, the black Americans are also saying that is our music. So, and then the same Europeans took the same music to Africa. Some of it is rumba, some of it is reggae, but you can see now the world is, you can't separate to say this one influenced the whole world. We have all influenced one another in one way or the other. That was my conversation with Jaggery Chanda and Patrick Mandela of the band Witch. This song, in collaboration with another Zambian musician, Sampa the Great, has been one of the top 10 most played songs on KEXP so far in 2023. It's called Avalanche of Love and was featured on Witch's new album it dropped this month after a nearly 40-year hiatus. You're breaking my heart, you're breaking my heart 